Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Mitch and with me, with me, with me, as always, is Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, Mitch. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I listened to us in real time the other day and we talk really slow. Did you feel like you were having a stroke? Yes. I can't so listen I'm to anything. I talk quick and like, Yeah. Like, I'm sorry I for anyone who listens to us in real time. I'm really sorry. Some people do. I don't know why. Oh, fools. Mm. Mm. You can just fit more in if you play at a double time. Yes, and we don't sound like we've had a stroke. No. We sound much more interesting quicker. Oh, it's a little little tip for everyone. Yes. Hot take. Just the tip. Mm, just the tip. Okay, right. let's get into this quickly. It's been a while. It has. Yeah. We're slightly so. over because we've been doing other stuff. Life gets in the way. It does, doesn't it? Life finds a way. Mm. Just like Jeff Goblin's hands, apparently. Really? Mm, that's mm. the latest thing. Okay. Yes. All right, should we talk gaming? Let's talk gaming. I've, I'll start. A little bit of Borderlands, that's it. Really? really Just a little bit? Just a little bit. I think you're ahead of me now. Am I? Mm. Well, you talk about Borderlands for a little bit, and then I'll tell you what I think about Borderlands. Okay. No, it's more Borderlands. It's like the other one. Yeah. I'm very underpowered at the moment, and I forget what it was like to be underpowered, and it's like, I've got to grind this game, don't I? Mm. But yeah, it's fine. Like, it's more of the same. It hasn't captured me like the other games, or I just can't wait to play it every night, because I haven't been. Yeah. It's just like, oh yeah, I haven't played for a week. I just, yeah, it's not captured me that way, but I do enjoy it, and I'm, it's not like I'm looking for anything else to play because I'm not playing anything really at the moment, but yeah. Hmm. And because it's so early in the game, because I like, podcasts are actually more important to me, and I like to listen to podcasts when I game. That's why Far Cry is the best game ever. I think so. Yeah. Borderlands, because it's so early in the game, I kind of have to pay attention to what I'm meant to be doing and stuff. I can't just go around and be overpowered and shoot everyone. So, yeah, I'm I'm not doing gaming well and I'm not listening to podcasts well, so it's just not balancing out terribly well. Hmm. So, yeah, that, that's mine. So, you go. What level are you up to? 12. Okay. Well, I'm, I've just clocked level 16 in my playing last night. Mm-hmm. So, I probably am a little bit ahead of you. I did have one setback, though. Because I started playing, and as soon as I started, I bought it on disc, same as you. <coughs> yep. When I first tried to play it, I didn't get it on release day because I pre-ordered it, and JB Hi-Fi said to me that they would mail it on release day and I should get it within the next couple of days. Yeah. And I didn't get it until the Tuesday afterwards. I got it. So you'd already had it. Yeah, you'd already bought the disc in the shop and didn't play it for a good week or something. No, but when I first started to play it, I thought, yep, I've got a couple of hours gaming. Let's get this on. Let's play it. Put it in the machine and it said, yes, you need to install this. And it's about an 80 gig install and it took about four hours to install. So while it was installing, I decided I would play a little bit of Gears 5 Mm -hmm. and just played a little bit of horde mode on that. Not much to say other than the fact that it is a bit more colourful than the previous Gears games. But once I get more into that, I'll probably have a better review of what I think of Gears 5. But as far as Borderlands goes, once I finally did get it installed, there's like a five-minute cutscene that opens the game. Yep. So I sat through that and then it froze just as I'd selected my character. And I was like, well, this isn't a good sign. So I had to reboot the whole system. And then when I came back, I was thinking, well, at least I've got my character. I can just go from there. But no, had to watch the five-minute cutscene again. So it was an ominous sign, I guess, from when I very first started. So you'd already been playing probably about a week before I actually got seriously into it. Something like that, yeah. I did do a little bit of background information to work out which character class I wanted to be first. So I chose the gunner who has the like mech suit mm-hmm. as the yep. special feature. And I kind of liked it. So I played a little bit. I got to the point in when you're on just uh, the normal planet that you start on. Pandora. Pandora, that's the one. Not to be confused with the cashed up Bogan charm bracelets. Oh. <laughs> Different Pandora. Okay. But I got to the point where you've done a few missions. I'd probably got to about level 10 as far as my character goes. Starting to pick up some decent guns because at first it was all pistols and shotguns were all I was picking up. And yeah, even, just to get my sniper. Yeah, even with the pre-order where you get gold guns, they weren't really that good either. They're gold. They are, but different to, say, in Borderlands 2, instead of having just a generic gold gun, you now have a gold skin that you've unlocked as well. So if you really wanted to, you can put the gold skin on every gun you own. But yeah, I just had pistols and shotguns to start with, and it took me a while before I actually got a... Pistols and shotguns, that's my favourite Elvis Costello song. Yeah. Mm. See, I'm more of a shotgun person, which I normally don't complain about, but 
they just, as you said, underpowered to start with. But anyway, I'd played through quite a bit. Like during the school holidays, my kids went away for a weekend. So I had a solid couple of hours of gaming where the kids weren't coming in and like watching me kill creatures and going, oh, look at the blood. And my eldest going, this game seems too violent. Sure, we should be watching this. And I'm like, no, you probably shouldn't. But anyway, I'd played probably about five hours in total. And I got to the stage where you're about to leave world and go onto the spaceship century mm-hmm. without too many spoilers of the game here. And there is a very large cutscene. And I thought to myself, all right, it's two o'clock in the morning. I probably should go to bed. So I turned the system off while the cutscene was playing. And then I played a little bit of co-op with you over here. And then when I went back to play my game, it hadn't remembered that I'd completed the mission. Well, it had remembered I'd completed the mission, but I wasn't actually on the spaceship. So I was stuck on the planet and I couldn't fast travel to the spaceship where I needed to continue the story. Mm. And I put a request in through 2K support and they were like, oh, yes, it's a known issue. It can happen. And they gave me a couple of fixes that I tried and none of them actually worked because the fixes were more for people who were stuck on the spaceship and they needed to get back onto the planets. But my problem was I couldn't get onto the spaceship. So I went on a Twitter and a few other forums and they suggested maybe going online and trying to find someone that was at that stage and replaying the mission with someone else so it triggers the... Yep. Like cutscene again, but I couldn't find anyone online that was in our area or playing at the same time I was. So eventually what I had to do with with one of my secondary profiles, because I've got an American profile on the Xbox as well, I pretty much had to replay the first three hours of the game to get a second character up to that mission. But it's so much quicker second time around because you know exactly what you're going to do. And I didn't do any of the side missions either. I just did pure story mission. And then when I knew I was getting close, I kind of split screened with my myself on my second controller and managed to like get back where I was. Yep. So after that little hiccup that kind of put me off the game a little bit, mm. I've now come back and probably played probably about another four like hours. So I'm about 10 better. hours in. I've gone back to my original character. Okay. I did like the, the character I was playing previously because I was playing the guy that had the drones and the shield. Mm-hmm. But I figured the, the mech suit is actually a better perk. Okay. So I've gone back to, yeah, that main character. Cool. And now that I'm leveled up a little bit more and I'm able to put class mods on and I've got three weapon slots, I'm feeling a little bit better about the game. Mm. Story-wise, it's great. I'm finding it it's progressing nicely. And I do like some of the little new things they've added, like the fact that the guns do have like secondary. two different types yep. of, you know, secondary fire or two different types of elementary elemental damage. Mm-hmm. I like that. But yeah, it, I don't know. It's not grabbing me as much as say Borderlands Two. Just not 2. as excited as I was when I got a gun crate because I don't seem to be getting as rewarded as quickly. Yeah, um, maybe that's my memory of it. I don't know, but I just haven't actually got excited when I found a new gun. I haven't done that yet. So I, I don't know. It's just me. Maybe I'm playing it wrong, which is chances are because I'm a little distracted when I'm playing. Yeah. That's the problem. But I'll get into it. There has been a couple of missions where you kill the baddie and he drops a gun and I'm like, oh, gold gun. So I am getting that little bit higher it's now. It's not like it used to be. Remember in Borderlands 1 where you got that shotgun from getting the berserker dude? Yeah. And it was like a kick-ass gun. Yeah, and it was early on. So it was kind of yeah. like, yeah, you got this good gun and then you could – keep that for quite a while yeah but, but no nothing nothing's grabby yet that's like oh wow this is this is amazingly new yeah. i mean it's pretty it's gorgeous to look at yeah. the driving is better i think it's harder but yeah. i think it's better and yeah it's it's it, I'll, I'll play more i am finding it to be super glitchy though because as i said i, I had the issue with the cutscene at the start and the freezing i've had it freeze on me a couple of times since then as well well we played it online well not online catch co-op yeah and it was not was smooth. No, it was smooth. It was a bit jumpy and yep. choppy. Well, I was playing the other day and I realised I hadn't selected so people couldn't just jump into my game. And someone else, like some random, actually just jumped in and started playing online with me. And pretty much as soon as they jumped in, my system was just lagging really badly. Okay. Mm. So, yeah, I think I'll have to push that button that lets me not have people random just okay. jump in. But yeah. Cool. Yeah, but any other games? I've been playing a little bit of stuff with my youngest. The fact that I have Game Pass means we're going through the catalogue on Game Pass going, oh, that kind of looks fun. Should we try that? So he's been playing a robot builder game called Robocraft Infinity, which is kind of cool. It came out probably three or four years ago. Kind of like BattleBots. You make a robot and then you take that robot out and 
kill other robots with it. Okay. And that, that's kind of cool. The only trouble with that is being the fact that it is an old game and there is online elements in it. There's never anyone online to try and get a match with. So he's mainly been doing the single-player tutorials and stuff. So he's been doing a lot of building but not a lot of fighting. Yep. And the other day I was sort of making fun of the fact that he'd built 30-odd robots. And he was like, well, Dad, when you play wrestling games, you make hundreds of characters. So what's yes. the difference? Sort of thing. So I was like, well, touche, little one. So he also downloaded Goat Simulator. Mm. And... I can see that if I had the time, it would be a game that I would spend a lot of time on because it's kind of reminiscent of like your Tony Hawk Pro Skater or something like that, only the fact that you are a goat. You are just running around as a goat in an open world, kind of doing tricks and getting points for them, like running into people and blowing things up and smashing windows and stuff as a goat. But if you can string your combos together, you get massive multipliers. And it just yeah, reminded me a lot of the multipliers on Tony Hawk from doing the tricks, to, uh, you know, different tricks and combining yeah, those together. I need the narrative. I need an oh, objective. There, there's purely no narrative. No. You are just a goat running around. I, I see the appeal, but not for me. And you can unlock other goats apparently, like different skins cool. and stuff. Other than that, one other thing I have been playing, and speaking of couch co-op, my wife and I decided that we would try the Lara Croft and the Temple of Osiris game. I think it might have been a freebie a little while ago. And this is the Tomb Raider offshoot, which is the isometric yep. puzzle shooter sort of thing. And we played probably two or three sessions of that, probably three hours overall. Okay. And it's fun. It's simple, yet there's enough there to keep you occupied. And the co-opness of it is pretty good too, because there are certain stages where one of you plays Lara and the other one plays like this Egyptian prince sort of dude, and you've got different skills. So Lara's got a grappling hook and the, the other guy can control time. So he has to do something and then Lara has to like hook her grappling hook onto it so they can climb up to a different level. And it, it's fun couch co-op. Cool. And there's just not enough couch co-op games anymore. But other than that, yeah, that's my gaming. Stick with the television yep. or the screen. What have you been watching on the TV? Well, I finally finished season three of Glow. And? And I really like the last episode. Yes. I can see why in our last episode of ours, of our podcast when you said there's something in it for us, mm-hmm. I very much did like the Glow Christmas Carol. Yes. I liked it. There was a couple of episodes that probably stood out more as better episodes than others. Mm-hmm. But yeah, less wrestling more story. Oh, the wrestling wasn't much to start well, with no, anyway. It wasn't really. But no, that, that was really good. And then other than that, I've been sucked into a reality TV hole, I guess. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something a little while ago about a TV show called Hyperdrive that yes. was on Netflix. Netflix. So I have now finished all of Hyperdrive. I didn't. So the concept of Hyperdrive is... American Ninja Warrior with cars. Yeah, that's about as, as well you can boil it down to. So yep. it is... It's an obstacle course for people with you know, varying different types of cars, I suppose, because there's some people there with supercars, muscle cars, you know, there's drifters, but it's everything. There is drifting, there's control, there's speed. It's all that sort of factor. So there's a bit where you've got to, you know, you've got to tail spin out and do a drift and knock an obstacle over with the back end of your car before you can move into another bit. You've got to do donuts inside a confined space without knocking any witches hats over. You've got to drive through water basically so there is a path that you can only see where the path is through the lights because it's filmed at night yeah and the cat's eyes on the road tell you where the road is so you've got to go quick enough to go quick enough but you know the risk is getting too much water in your engine which can fuck your engine and obviously you got to stay on the path because if you veer off the path you fall into the water which no one did did they I don't Everyone. think so. A couple of people went too fast and got water in their yeah. engines, but I don't um, think anyone really. Yeah, cared. so there's all different factors, and yeah, and there's a bit where there's a, it's like a big seesaw or teeter totter, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And that, that was probably my favourite of the obstacles. So they've got to drive up this, you know, giant seesaw and get as close to the edge, edge as you dare. Yeah. You know, so you pull up so many feet from the edge. So you got to go. You got to go quick to get up the thing for a start. So you got to be quick, otherwise you won't get up high enough. And then your weight of your car will bring it down, and then you can drive off into the rest of it. So it, it's but as as they get into the later episodes, it actually becomes a balance beam, and you have to sort of find that sweet spot in the middle oh, to make the that far. make the needle finish where it needs to so be. It, it, it's yeah. kind of funky to watch, and there's someone in there with a you know full on Lamborghini or something like that, yeah. Which you sh- you're not 
meant to drift in. These no. cars are designed to stay on the road, not lose traction. But he did really well considering what it was. He yep. he did well to drift, but there's people in there with, you know, there were people in there with Corvettes, like aged 1970s Corvettes and shit like that, and they're not made for drifting. Either. No. They're pure Actually, they're, cars. There's a French dude that's got a Dodge Challenger, and mm. it's like the biggest car in the competition, and he had a lot of trouble getting around some of the tight corners. But it was funky. What was weird is there's eliminations and it travels through. I obviously haven't finished it. You have. Yeah. But it doesn't end with an elimination. It ends partway through, around, which means you just – it's, it's designed for binging because yep. you're sort of it, like, oh, it, yep. it just finished and I haven't finished yet. I'll just watch the next episode to see how that ends. Like middle of a run is where the episode Yeah, ends. exactly. In the very first episode, there's this young girl from South Africa that's going to be the you know the, the great hope and Shalice Theron is one of the producers and mm-hmm. the fact that she's South African, she actually goes to visit this girl in her hometown and speaks Afrikaans to her about how good she's going to go in the competition and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's driving this little shitbox 1980s BMW and she starts her run and then the credits come up and it's like, well, what, what happened? okay, yeah, what, what's going on here? And it's like, all right, well, I guess I'll start the next episode. Yep. Yeah, and, and it does suck you in. I like the fact that it is different. Yes. Like it's not your Ninja Warrior, you know, Beastmaster and all those sort of things. It is purely how well you control your car, mm-hmm. how well your car Ooh actually handles because there's people in it that aren't the best drivers but they've got spectacular cars so they do okay there's also people that may have shitbox cars but they're just really good drivers and they know how to drive their car Mm -hmm. like there's a japanese guy that's driving a toyota crown and yet he can slide it around the corners like no man's business yeah and it's very much there's people from different countries there's you know, there's female drivers. So there is a lot of story to it rather than just them driving, which kind of shits me in reality TV. But it does hook you in. And I think there was probably 12 episodes in the season. Mm. And, yeah, my wife and I actually binged it in a couple of days. And I think that's quite strange because she's not a car person at all. And I'm enjoying watching car shows, but I know fuck all about cars. Mm. So I can sit there and go, well, I know how to drift around the corner if I'm playing Project Gotham Racing, but I couldn't do it in a real car. But yeah. Yeah, so I watched that and I also watched the first episode of the show you've talked about previously, which is where it's the different cars have a race. Oh, fastest car. Yeah. Yep. So you, it's just a drag. But it was just like, well, the show kind of dragged because it all builds up to a, a drag at the end. Yeah. Between four cars, four or five. And drag races are over a quarter mile, so they're finished so in that's a minute. It. So they've got to just yep. put all this story at the front end yep. for this race. And I watched the first episode and a friend said, it's great. Oh, why did no one tell me this? And then I watched it and then I talked to her later on about it and they're like, she goes, first episode's all you need to see. Exactly. Because yeah. there was a story there. So a guy had a junker, essentially. It was an old, very, like a hot rod kind of thing, big yep. V8 old sort of UT pickup-y sort of thing that he sort of Frankenstein together and he was up against, you know, some stuntman's daughter. Yeah. Like he's got a supercar. Like they've put together. There was a guy with a, like a Lamborghini or yep. Maserati or something like that, some supercar. And so, you know, the, the story there is he was the arrogant rich prick who, you know, was going against it. He wasn't an asshole or anything, but they, you know, but they had the underdog. Well, that's purely what it is. It's like three people that have built their own cars and they're all what they call sleeper cars. So they're fast, but they don't look great. Oh, that's right. Some guy had a minivan, didn't he? Yeah. Versus someone who's obviously rich enough to just be able to afford to buy a supercar. Yeah. So, yeah. But it is pretty much the same story every episode. But, yeah, I was happy to see one episode. Mm. Well, there's I, a second, I got the gist. There's a second season of that just dropped on Netflix. Okay. Mm. So staying with the reality vibe – I've also watched a couple of episodes of a new reality show on Foxtel called The Titan Games, mm. which is hosted by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. How's he got time? I don't know. Seriously. This is your classic Ninja Warrior type game, only they are games of strength rather than being agility and stuff. So it's muscled up dudes. Not well strongest man? Or? It's kind of similar in the fact that they are big, strong dudes, but they're also women as well. They're lifting atlas balls. They're lifting things. They're smashing things with sledgehammers. You know, it's it's kind of Ninja Warrior, but it's more... I don't know. They've all got shorts on. man units. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're all kind of just your big athletic sort of dudes. Okay. So they're not the massive powerlifter-looking guys, but they are solid. Yeah. And, yeah, they kind of have 
say four contestants, they go head to head until they've only got a couple left. And then they do a bit of an obstacle course at the end, which finishes with them getting chained to a 200 kilo ball of cement that they have to drag across from one side of the arena to the other. And then they have to smash through some other cement with a hammer to unlock a key to set off some fireworks and stuff. So it's kind of intriguing, but it is more of the same. It's just that sort of, you know, elite athletes showing us how good they are. But the twist is that they are all kind of a bit different. Like there was one guy that was an amputee and only had one leg, but he was still a bodybuilder. There was another guy that was like a a fireman from 9-11 and he was like cashing in on the fact that he was America's hero and they're, you know, like veterans and Mm -hmm. ER nurses and, and stuff. So it's not just your average, yes, I'm tough and I can lift heavy things. It's a bit different. I've been watching some reality TV. Have you? Yeah. I got sucked into The Masked Singer. Well, so did I. I, I wasn't sure if you had, so yeah. I didn't say anything. Yes. No, I did. I did. I mean, I didn't watch it all. I didn't need to. I didn't need to see them sing. No. I just liked the clues. The guesses were kind of funny. Give me the reveal. Yeah. So I didn't watch it. Watch it. I watched the bits I needed to. Yeah. And I didn't watch every every episode. There was no. times I was like, oh, tell me who it is. Yeah. You know, I liked, I saw some clues, I had a guess, I got them wrong, and that was all fine. Most of them I didn't know who the fuck they were. Well, they were pretty much scraping the bottle in the barrel for some of the celebrities, I think. Like, I feel sorry for Lindsay Lohan. I mean, she got paid, she was fine, but she didn't, she wouldn't know who the hell anyone was. I mean, there was one bit where she goes, I think it's, and I don't even know her name, Jimmy Barnes's daughter. Michaela. Yeah. Michaela. And she picked her. It's like, you don't know who Jimmy Barnes is, let alone her daughter. Who's feeding you this information? But yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great show for silly. It was just so ridiculous. And it's not a thing. It's not a competition. No. Like there is voting in the audience. But it's not for anything. It's not Is that the best singer? What are you voting for and the person who wins at the end and Well, some of the people that got eliminated early were much better singers than the person that actually won. So no spoilers because it has only just finished. Yeah, but it's just, uh, yeah, so I don't know what they won. The they admiration the best, of their peers. Are they the best singer? Is that what they were Voted on. I don't think they were. I think the guy that won is more of a personality. And it was a tie-in to the Lindsay Lohan story. Yeah. But yeah. Mm. But it was fine. It was just silly fun. It was brainless and it was entertaining. And that's all you want. And my kids loved it, which is the weird thing because it started airing over the school holidays and they were up late one night watching it. And then the next night they're like, oh, can we watch tomorrow's episode? So we were like, all right, you can stay up and watch it. And then after that, Obviously, they'd gone back to school, so we ended up taping them so we could fast forward through all the crap yeah. because there is an awful lot of film. Mm-hmm. So we were actually watching them a day behind, so the Monday episode would air and it'd be after their bedtime, so we'd record it and then watch it the next day. But then I'd be like at work trying to avoid spoilers and not getting on social media and, and that sort of stuff. Not that I really cared. But you want to see it properly. Yeah. yeah. But my eight-year-old was sitting there going, oh, who's it going to be? You should be, oh, I want you know, this person to win. And it's like, well... Even if they unmask, you have no fucking idea who these people are because even I had no fucking idea who half the people were. No. No. But, yeah, I can see why people got into it because it was kind of fun and the costumes were really good. Really good, yes. Hmm. So that's about it as far as TV. Like nothing else nothing else new that I've been watching. No. Well, there's two other things I will quickly mention. Sticking on the reality TV, I did try a program that had just started on Netflix that mm. I thought might be good called Rhythm and Flow. Yeah. Which is a competition to find a new rap star. But the problem was it felt really, really forced. And the judges were Chase the Rapper, who obviously has to be a rapper because it's in his name, who I don't really know his work. Cardi B, who I can't stand. And T.I., who had one good song, and that's only because he sampled that Numa Numa song. But... They're the main judges and they had Snoop Dogg as the guest judge of the episode that I watched a little bit of. But yeah, it just felt really forced and everyone was doing that sort of new style of rap, which I don't really care for. And they could they swear? Yeah. They, okay. were, they were swearing, they were dropping the N-word. Okay, so no, no, at least it's not sanitised. So it's Netflix, so they can get away with mm, most things you can't. But Not. No. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't grab me in the fact that 
I guess I was expecting, you know, to see someone rap like Chuck Run DMC D. or something. Yeah, exactly. But these people were just doing their best flow rider impressions and yeah, no. that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I think the style of the rap they were doing put me off and just the wankiness of the backstory of a couple of the people. Like, it was – they took a camera into the studio to film some kid and go, all right, you've made it onto the show. And you could just tell it was so scripted. Yeah. Which, yeah, it, it wasn't a good representation of the culture, I don't think. No, fair enough. No. And other than that, I've watched one drama series. And I'm calling it a drama because it's listed as a comedy on Foxtel, but it, it is a, a little English series called Mum. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh which was three seasons of six episodes each, and it was airing on BBC First, but I actually watched all of them on the Foxtel On Demand feature. But it's about a sort of middle-aged English woman who's sort of coming up for 60s-ish, and she loses her husband, and it's just life with her and her 20-year-old son and his girlfriend sort of moving on with their life and trying to get things back together. Why would you watch this? I don't know. I don't know how we stumbled across it. I think we saw an ad for it and thought, oh, yeah, we'll give that a go. And in that typical English humour, I don't know if it's a comedy that's dramatic or whether it's a drama that has some comedy elements. But in yeah, that typical English fashion, most of the characters in it just aren't likeable, but they are funny to watch, but you wouldn't want to meet them in real life. Okay. But it's good. It's gripping in the fact that it felt real. Unlike all this reality TV I've been watching, it actually had a bit of realness about it. But it's just one of those little endearing programs, 26 minutes each episode. As I said, three seasons with six episodes each. It was just a quite easy watch, but I would recommend it. I won't watch it. No, I'm sure you won't. Now, I'm going to watch – I watched it on Netflix, but it was a movie, but it's associated with a television show. So this is sort of a segue into the movie section. Okay. But it was Netflix, an original. El Camino. Oh, yeah. Yes. I have planned on watching this, but I haven't got around to it yet. Which is the Breaking Bad movie that sort of just dropped. I knew it was coming, and I went to a wrestling show the other week, and a friend was messaging me saying, are you going to go? I was like, yeah. He goes, I'm going to be a bit late, you know, but I'll probably see Will Ospreay late. I was like, well, he's actually on right now. I was like, oh, maybe I'll just stay home and watch El Camino then. Is that out? And he goes, yeah, it dropped yesterday. I was like, oh, Okay. So I think I watched it the next night. Okay. And it is, for those who know Breaking Bad, it's a sequel that pretty much takes place straight after the last episode, and it follows Jesse, the cat, what happens with Jesse. It's more Breaking Bad. It's very good. I really loved it. Okay. Like, my wife wasn't, she was, I don't know, I don't think she was excited at, by the show originally as I was. She was captivated by what's going to happen. Yeah. But when I found out there was, I want to see it, she was like, oh, she wasn't like champing at the bit to see it. But it was, I I was very impressed by it. It was very, very good. Hmm. I think it's weird that it's on Netflix because the original Breaking Bad was AMC. AMC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Depends who wants to make it. Well, if Netflix are going to yeah. throw money at Vince Gilligan. Was it Vince Gilligan? Yeah, I think that's his name. To make one? It's like, yeah, do it. Hmm. What else is Aaron Paul doing? He'd be bang up for it. He did the Need for Speed movie, didn't he? Exactly. I don't know what else he's done in between. Don't know. Probably nothing. Was on the Captain EO ride at Disneyland when I was there. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. So you I would sat rec- three seats down from him. You would recommend it? Yes, if you're a Breaking Bad fan, definitely. No, I meant the Captain EO ride. No. no. <laughs> it's dated. Yeah. No, I, I was a big Breaking Bad fan, and when I heard this was coming out, I was quite keen. I haven't really got into a better Corsair. Salt? No, I, I've heard as far as prequels go, none are good. Yeah. And everyone says that's the exception. Okay. It's very good. And it's like, it's just time, making time to watch this shit. I'm just not getting around to it, but it's something I would like to watch, but there's so many things I would like to watch. Yeah. It's like, I wanted to watch Walking Dead at some point, but seven seasons is too much to catch up on. Sopranos, I still haven't seen, and I'd like to see that, but it's just too much work. Yep. Exactly. Hmm. Well, that, that's on my list of things I do want to watch. What about movies? Well, then? now that we're talking about movies, have you had, had any trips to the cinema? I have. Well, I'll let you go first because I've got two trips to the cinema. Both are very different. Okay. Which is quite strange for me to have actual trips to the cinema. I saw Joker. And what did you think of Joker? I thought it was an amazing film. I'm hearing very mixed reviews. I'm hearing a lot of people say that cinematically it is excellent. Yes. But thematically it might be a little bit on the nose. No. Cinematically it is it is beautiful. Yep. It is gorgeous. It is amazingly acted. 
Could you say it's derivative? Of course, it's a comic book movie. Yeah. In a way. Um, I went into it thinking it's a looks very Scorsese-ish. A lot of people are comparing it to Taxi Driver. And it's like, it's a very Taxi Driver, but from what I knew of King of Comedy, I thought it was a bit King of Comedy as well. And yeah. I had a very vague knowledge of the movie King of Comedy, which is a 1981 Scorsese movie with Robert De Niro. Yeah. So it's like, that's what I thought. So I watched it. I was like, yeah. That's pretty much what I thought it was going to be. There's a there's a lot of comic rel- It doesn't need to be a Joker film. You know, it could have just easily been a taxi driver falling down sort of movie. Okay. It has a lot to say. Um, there was a lot of worry going in that could this be a trigger for incels and wankers to turn the Joker into a champion of the under underclass or... It's, it's not that. No. If people, people could take that out of it if they really wanted to, but they're dickheads. So it's not... <laughs> It's not like Fight Club where it made Anarchus kind of cool. Yeah. It, it's not that. They didn't do that. Like, you go back and watch Fight Club now, it is like a, the Anarchus cookbook movie. Yes. You know, it's, it's not that. Okay. It's got a lot to say about mental health and institutionalised situations mm. and those sort of things. And they're important things to say. Yeah. Very good in that way. Joaquin Phoenix is amazing. It's painful to watch him. Like, his laugh is a condition. Yeah. And it looks painful. Okay. Like, it hurts to watch him. Like, he's sickeningly skinny. Do you need to see it? No. I can't recommend anyone see it. Like, it's not a pleasant movie. It's not unpleasant. It's not like Seven, where it's kind of unpleasant. Yeah. It's just not a fun romp, that's for sure. But it's not super bleak either. Yeah. Amazingly acted, well filmed, beautiful to look at, even though it is grimy and dirty, but it's just good... It's got some humour in it, a little bit. What sort of era is it set in? 70s. Okay. There are ties into the comic, which sort of were interesting takes. And there was one bit that's like, do we need to say that again? Was it that close? But yeah, I'm intrigued. I was talking on Geek Dudes the other day, and Fresh was like, he wanted to see a sequel now. I was like, I see it as a self-contained film. We don't need a sequel. It Mm. doesn't need Batman, you know. He sort of wants to see that Joker now versus the Batman. It's like, I don't. I see this as a film, yeah. like as a self-contained. So saying that, I was impressed. Okay. I'm, I don't need to see it again. I could see it again to appreciate the filmmaking, the this, the that, but it's amazing. But it's funny because it's made all this money, but I'm not hearing anyone really talk about it. It's not like the zeitgeist where everyone's chatting about it, everyone's got an opinion on it, yet yeah. it seems to be making a lot of money, but no one's really talking about it. Hmm. I don't know. But following on watching that, I was looking at Amazon Prime, which is my favourite streaming service at the moment, there was King of Comedy. So I watched it. And fucking hell, it's Taxi Driver meets King of Comedy. It's exactly <laughs> that. And I really like King of Comedy. Okay. Like, I think Joker's a better film. Yeah. It's sort of a bigger film in a way. Like, King of Comedy's quite small now. And reading up about King of Comedy is quite interesting because it's Robert De Niro plays a wannabe stand-up comedian. Yeah. And he's enamoured by this talk show host, late-night talk show host like a David Letterman, played by Jerry Lewis. And he ends up, talking to him and he has this fake relationship with him thinking they're best buddies all of a sudden and he's trying to get his break on his TV show and Jerry Lewis was just trying to fob him off and it's what falls off because of that. And in Joker, there is a talk show host played by Robert De Niro. So it's obviously a love letter to Scorsese, his Joker. But yeah, it was quite to see the two together or put them two together and see. It's like, yeah, that's kind of cool. But there's a lot owed to... There's a scene sort of out of Dark Knight Returns as far as comic-related goes and also very V for Vendetta sort of feel, which is Alan Moore mm. who wrote The Killing Joke, which is the, probably the greatest Joker story ever told. But there's a bit that sort of feels a bit V for Vendetta, which is not a Batman story at all, but it is an Alan Moore story. So, yeah, it's, it's sort of it's got its comic influences, but it's definitely closer to a, a Scorsese sort of film. Okay. But, yeah, that was my take but yeah, at the end of it, I was there, saw it with a friend, and she's like, "Kittens and t- ice cream now, please." You know, it's just like, <laughs> you're not feeling good at the end of this movie. Mm. It's it's an interesting thing. Okay, yes, it's a great one to talk about. But as you've not seen it, we can't go in depth about things. I'm not blown away by. Oh my god, it had this to say and this. And, it's not that. Mm. It's just very good. Okay, that's that's about it. All so right, you went to the movies too. Well, I had two cinema experiences. Mm-hmm. The first one was something I had probably no intention of seeing, but it was my father-in-law's birthday and he decided for his birthday that he wanted my wife and I and, and 
his wife, my my in-laws, to go and see the Downton Abbey movie. So I've never actually watched an episode of Downton Abbey. Perfect. So I had no idea what was going on for most of the movie. But that being said, I actually enjoyed it. Did it make you want to see the show? No. Oh. There was one character that I really liked in it and there was another character that I thought was pretty cool and then when they said to me, he's only in this movie and they had no idea who this character was, I was like, oh, maybe I won't go and watch it. Without really knowing the story of Downton Abbey or the actual show, it is pretty much upstairs, downstairs from back in the 70s, yep. updated with new actors. It's just rich people being rich people, preparing their manor house in the country for a, a royal visit. And yeah, it, it was that very much English humour. I, I wouldn't recommend it if you haven't seen the program, but it was it was okay. The other thing I went and saw being the fact that it was school holidays, I took my son to see Abominable. Abominable. And I can't even pronounce the word, but mm-hmm. it was quite a good film. Okay. It had that very much DreamWorks feel to it. I saw the trailer. It told me the plot. Yeah. Once you've seen the trailer, that's pretty much all you need to know. The trailer had me intrigued because it had a girl forlorn playing on a roof in like a high rise in Hong Kong or somewhere like that. Shanghai, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's mainland China. And she finds a Yeti in on the roof in a shed. Yeah. That's enough to sell the movie. But then the trailer went on to say, oh, they're going on a journey, going to take you home. Oh, you got magical powers. you got this, you got that. There you go. There's a film. Pretty All much. All the, re- you know, reveals were shown in the fucking trailer. So like, oh, maybe kids need that to see the movie. But as a, you know, as a film, film goer, I want to experience that in the movie. I don't want to see it in the trailer. I think if you had seen the trailer, there wasn't any real surprises in the movie. Mm. There was a little bit of a love story, I guess, between the female character and her male friend that lived in the building with her that went on the tour to get the Yeti home as well. Other than that, though, pretty much, yeah, what you see in the trailer is what you get in the movie. He has magical powers that they show in the ad. Mm -hmm. They find a Yeti and they take it home. You can tell that it is Chinese-based, so it's aimed at a Chinese audience. There is a lot of environmental messages that are getting hammered home. The animation's nice. The The movie feels good. It flows nicely. The characters are likable. But it's kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we saw it at the cinemas because it does have that big screen feel. But you could equally watch it at home on video and still get the same appeal of it. Okay. What I thought was quite interesting, though, is most of the voices are done by Chinese actors, except for... There's one character who was voiced by Eddie Izzard, okay, which I thought was a bit of a um, a turn up. But he plays or well, voices sort of a, an older English gentleman that is collecting wildlife. Okay, yeah. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. I just don't care. I saw the trailer and I'm like, no. We, I, I like a good kids film. It is yeah. a good kids film. I, I think the options for school holidays just passed were either Angry Birds Two or Abominable, and I'm glad we went and saw Abominable. I think Angry Birds 2, you didn't need to waste your 20 bucks to go and see it on a big screen. Uh, We've been having movie night with the kids late on a Saturday. And Toy Story 4 got a run the other day. But my my daughter is very freaked out by things. Yeah. Like we freaked her out with Dumbo, I think I mentioned before. Yeah. So now she's very much, she she takes herself out of the room. She's three. And she's like, where's her mum? What's it doing? I don't like this. I'm going. Um, She did it with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You know, Violet, when Violet blew up to a blueberry, she was freaked. And when Mike TV got shrunk, that was it. She was out. Yeah. It's like, go and I, go and leave it. And yeah, so we're trying to tailor movies around it. So we watched the animated Dumbo, which okay. is definitely nothing like the um, remake, which is fine. They can be two different films. That was good. I'm but not sure if I've seen the animated Dumbo. I can remember a scene with the crows. Like, yes. Dancing pink elephants. Yeah, that is trippy as hell. That's the only scene I gets drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it was uh, amazing to see something that's that old and the quality of animation. So that, that was good to see. Then Jackson, my son, he's five. He really wanted to see Jurassic Park. He's like, can we see Jurassic Park? And he said to his sister, do you want to watch it? It's where dinosaurs eat people. I was like, okay. And she's like, no, no, I don't want to see that at all. And, yeah, she put herself to bed pretty quickly in that one. Mm. And last week we sort of said, we're trying to, you know, trying to proof the videos around saying, all right, what's she going to watch? What's everyone going to be entertained by? And, yeah, last week it was just like, I can't be bothered thinking. Alvin and the Chipmunks 3, Chipwrecked, that'll do. And that was fine. 
it was on, I was on my iPad the whole time. But yeah, those movies make money, obviously. Yeah, and they are what they are. Hmm. Hmm. I I don't think you can really go wrong with say your Disney cartoons for most age groups. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them have something for the adults as well. Ice Age movies are kind of cool. Yes, but I don't care. Yeah, it's like Shrek. First one I was amazed by. Second one had a great bit with the immigrant song and stopped caring after that. Yeah. But we, I mean, Toy Story 3, uh, 4 was the other one we started and it was another one where my daughter did a run in or run out. She's like, no, nah, not for me. Something freaked her out. She but didn't want to do it anymore. Has she seen Toy Story 3? Maybe. Because once you've seen Toy Story 3, that's that's the end of the story. There's There shouldn't be another one. Yeah. So I didn't end up seeing the end of it because we went into um, our room and I read stories to her, so mm. I didn't see the end of it. But to be honest, it didn't really captivate me enough no. to keep watching it, to be honest. That came out last school holidays and my wife took the kids to it and she was like, do you want to come? And I was like, no, I don't think I really need to. Mm. So, yeah. But I think all kids go through that dinosaur stage. I know my youngest went through a massive dinosaur stage and we watched all of the Jurassic Park movies and we watched Jurassic World. And he's probably a little bit older than Jackson now, so he could get into it a little bit more. Yep. But one thing I will suggest is maybe showing him the Lego Jurassic World game, uh, cartoons. Because mm-hmm. they oh, are, love the first Jurassic Park, so he's, he's in. But there you go, because they in. are a little bit tamed down as far as you don't see velociraptors ripping Wayne Knight apart. No, you don't. No. You just see what's well Samuel Jackson's hand, arm, that's about yeah. it. Yeah. And, and the lawyer off the toilet. Yeah. There's probably a little bit that's not appropriate for a five-year-old in those movies. Yeah. He was fine. Toughen him up. That's what Mad Max anyway. five. Yeah. Indiana Jones at seven or whatever. Mm, maybe. Maybe we're just wrapping our kids in cotton wool too much. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Because we watched the, was it the Lost Dinosaur. What's the Pixar one that no one talks about anymore? Dinosaur, isn't it? No, that's a Disney film. Okay. Land of the Lost. No. Land Before Time. No. Denver the Last Dinosaur. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Let's move on. But there is lots of dinosaur movies. But yeah, there was, I know the one you mean. The one where it's like- The his, boy is like a dog. His dad goes away or something. No? That's a different one as well. There's another one where there's a, a young sort of, I don't know, brontosaurus that gets left behind. Kind of. And then he makes friends with some other dinosaurs to find his herd again. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, that one. Mm. I, that, that is The Last Dinosaur, isn't it? Is it The Last Dinosaur? I don't know. I, I've yeah, seen so many dinosaur movies that I can't remember. Yeah. Hmm. Mm, anyway. Anyway, that's probably movies unless you've got anything else. Nothing. Should we talk about some other stuff? That yeah, we let's talk about stuff. Well, not, will, not your porn folder on your computer. No. Not that stuff folder. Not the stuff folder. No. No, I went and saw some live theatre that I will talk about because <gasps> I loved it. And I went and saw Come From Away, mm-hmm. which is the musical that is based around the little town in Newfoundland where when 9-11 happened in New York, they redirected all the planes and a town of about 7,000 people suddenly got 39 jumbo jets land and doubled in population for a few days while they were housing these people that couldn't go to New York. Yep. And as far as musical goes, it was non-stop it went for a hundred minutes there was no intermission it basically just started with a bunch of people standing in a room going we are the residents of gander newfoundland and this is our story and then it just burst into song from there initially i was a little bit iffy about the accents because they all were putting on the full-on canadian newfoundland accent but as the move uh, as the show goes on you kind of forget that they're doing the accents and it just kind of blends in but musically, it was great. It was a live band on stage as they were doing the the singing. It was a small, probably about 15, 20 people cast, and a lot of them played multiple roles. And the way they would do that is by just putting on a different jacket or a different mm-hmm. hat or something and doing a slightly different accent. But it, yeah, as far as captivating musicals go, I was completely blown away with it. And it just flew past. Like 100 minutes went past as if it was nothing. And there was... Lots of funny parts. There was some really sad parts where they were, you know, people that were on the planes talking about how they couldn't get in contact with people on the ground in New York. And one woman whose son was a fireman and she was trying to reach him. And just everything about it just blew me away. So it's playing here in Melbourne until early January. And if you're a fan of musical theatre, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. 
I saw theatre too. You did? I did. I did the poster for a high school production not long ago. I talked about it. Yes, we talked about it a couple of episodes ago. Well, the director of that show is quite the actor of renown. When I say renown, she's won scholarships and things like that. And she put on a one-person show. And I went and saw it. And I think I was the person who knew her the least in the audience. (laughs) Like, it was very personal in that way. I think she knew everybody in the audience. It was a very small setup. Like, we're talking 30 people in the audience. Very small theatre. And she can sing. Got good pipes. With an accompaniment. And she sort of just told stories in between songs. And there were songs from movies or theatre that sort of have an effect or that she likes. So it finished on Power of Love from Back to the Future because that's her favourite movie. And it started with late night double feature from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. And she did – the only one that wasn't really from a movie or whatever was she did a little political gag saying, anyone who knows me, I'm normally political. I'm not going to go into that at the moment. I mean, Donald Trump's president for fuck's sake and then started singing What's Going On by Fond on Blondes. But she's saying, you got a friend in me from Toy Story – and a bunch of theatre stuff like Sondheim and that, which I had no idea what it was from. Like it was from the company or something and I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Okay. But it was very clever, very clever song, which is very Sondheim apparently. But um, yeah, that was interesting. But that was the night I saw Joker as well. So a lot happened that night because it was a 6.30 production. And at the end of that, it's like coming out at 7.30. It's like, what do you want to do? It's like, do you want to see Joker? It's like, yeah. So, so that was a big night. So that was my production I saw. But what about anything else you've been doing? Well, that's pretty much it for me. You have done some hands-on work. I have. Now, we talked a little couple of episodes ago where we were watching Blown Away and we were talking about people that can create things. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the fact that you would like to be able to do something like glass blowing or blacksmithing. I did because I I think I may have mentioned on the podcast in the past, but if, you ha- if I haven't or you don't haven't listened to that episode, I saw a crazy – not crazy, it was – a pretty dull reality show it was like all these corporate people building a cabin in america it was like using all the old techniques and styles that how they built a cabin in pioneer times yeah and it was like the equivalent of sovereign hill here in victoria where it's an old you know um ye old colonial colonial yes township yeah so you've got all the blacksmiths and panning for gold and all that sort of shit <coughs> so they're on this equivalent place and they're building this cabin using the old technique, and they went to the blacksmith shop at one point and he was made nails and he just made the nails and this is how they used to make them and blah, blah, blah. And I looked at that and that's all I wanted to do. It was like, I want to do some blacksmithing. I just want to make some nails. I don't want to make swords. I don't want to do that forged in fire, <laughs> bladesmithy sort of stuff. Just, yeah. just nails. I want to be bespoke nails, very boutique, very specialised. That's what I want to do. Something simple. And realistically, I just want to look like Robert Downey fucking hitting hot metal with a hammer. That's all I want to do. And I've been talking it up enough, and I'm very much a gunner. I want a, I want a gunner, gunner. And I fucking thought, no, fuck it, I'm going to do this. Yeah. So I investigated, and I was finding there were people doing courses, introduction courses, this and that, and it's like, oh, yeah, and they were getting up there and pricey and all this. It's like, okay, but I'm, still, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. And I found one, and it didn't pop up in my searches in the early searches. It's like, oh, yeah, the Victorian Blacksmith Association at Bundura Park, oh. which is literally, I mean, to get there driving, I've got to go around the way, but if I wanted to wade through a creek, I could actually walk there within a K and a half from here, yeah. if that. So it's like, it's just there. And the price was actually really cheap to do the intro course, but you do have to join. You've got to join the association for a year, Yeah, which is fine. That wasn't that expensive. So I was like, oh, I'll investigate that. When are they doing it? It's a two-day course, this price, I can do that. So I did it. So I did that on the weekend, and I've got one blister. And it wasn't from <laughs> hammering. It was from putting in a thing in the vice, and the handle slipped on the vice and <laughs> pinched my thumb. But I survived it. I thought, I'm a klutz. This is going to be interesting. You're giving me hammers and heat and hot metal. This is not going to go well. I had a friend come to visit me that night because I was like, they took bets on the injuries that I would have and didn't have it. I survived it. And there were two other people did the class with me. It was an introduction to blacksmithing. And over the process of two days, between nine and about three o'clock on both days, Saturday, Sunday, I made a coal rake. So to... Poke your fire around and keep it moving. Get the uh, the cr- cringle out, I think it's called. Cringle? Well, it's, it's the burnt up coal that's no good anymore. It's okay. not getting the heat you need. You've got to get that out. And let yep. the, the fresh coal go well. 
So you so I made one of them. So it was a, like a rod of rebar or something like that. So I heated up one end and flattened the fuck out of it. Gave it a bit of a turn and a point, and then the other end gave it a handle. There you go, got a rake. Sweet. Then I made a hot punch and a cold punch, and what that that was a spring from car suspension. So they chopped it off. So it's about fifteen centimeters long, 10, 15 centimeters. So it's a, a bit of it. So it's a curve for a start. So I heated the fuck out of that, made it straight, pointed at the end. There you go. So I tempered one, <laughs> I tempered one, and the other ones. So they're used to make holes in hot metal. Yeah. So a hot one, you got a hot hole punch, which you heat the fuck out of metal when you see it red. You can hit this thing into it, and you make a hole in it. And the other one is a cold center punch and that's the same essentially they both look the same but this one we tempered so you heat it up and get it soft and then harden the end bit and all this sort of shit and you can hit that into cold metal and score it essentially hmm. so i made one of them and i made a chisel out of what, what would you call the suspension on a truck you know when you see the the layers and layers of long thin the leaf metal. suspension leaf, is that what it is i think so it's a bit of that okay so a bit of that turn that into a chisel that was kind of cool and a hook with a twist and two holes. And I used my punch to do it and I made a knife. Mm. Like he came up and said, look, you've got a choice, but it's already been majority rules and you're lost, but I'm going to ask you anyway. You've got a choice between making a knife and a leaf. What would you like to make? I said, I assume it's a knife. And he goes, yes, it's a knife. Okay. <laughs> so that's cool. So I made a knife. It looks like a prison shift, but hey, it's my knife. I made so, it. So now every night when you eat your dinner, do you use that knife? No. I go, I made this knife? I should. Yeah, I don't know what to do with this stuff now, but yeah. So I, I am a member of the association now, and they have work days every fortnight. So technically, I could go down every second Sunday and tinker around because I, I don't have a project. That's my killer. Yeah. I, I sort of wanted to do this and become my bespoke nail specialist, but I don't think there's really a calling for it. So I might keep that in the backfire, backforge, shall we say. So like, I kind of enjoyed it, and I wouldn't mind still doing it, but I don't know what to do. I don't have this project that I want to do. Yeah. But there is self-paced learning that they do, they offer. So there's a bunch of tasks that you can learn to build up your skills and they've got a forge master who's there every night mm-hmm. like when you're there and you go through your tasks and when he goes, yep, that's ready, go on to the next task. So if I make the time, I might stick with it. But yes. You could make like a wrought iron gate to go in the front yard or something. I could. If you had a fence. I could do that. You can make a whole wrought iron I, fence. I Doubt I will be. It's just not really what I want to do. But I don't know. Maybe at the end, if I do the self-paced learning, maybe I'll go, yeah, give me a fucking gate. I'm going to rot the shit out of that. But I don't know. I really don't know what I want. But someone did ask the other day, going, I've got a job for you. She wants a big fuck-off hook. I was like, well, maybe I can make a big fuck-off hook. But I've got to work towards it. <laughs> but, um, yes, so I felt manly. I felt creative. Very manly. Wielding a hammer. It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, and I didn't kill myself or burn myself or burn anything down. It was it was pretty cool. So you had to control your own fire with the bellows and all that sort of stuff as well. Not a bellow; it's a hand winch. But yes, okay. hand winch, not winch. Yeah, it was the equivalent of. But yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the thing. So you crank the fire. You got this crank, and it puts oxygen in. And it makes it really fucking hot. But surprisingly, it's like it's hot in the middle. It's like, so how old is that? And they go about twelve hundred degrees. It's like that's fucking hot. Yeah, but you don't feel it. The radiant heat isn't really there. Okay, it's when you when you turn the wheel and get some air into it and all that sort of stuff, you can feel it. You're pushing the air around, and it's like, yeah, that's pretty fucking hot in there. Mm. And metal gets pretty fucking hot when it goes pink and soft and stuff. You're going fuck. That's that's and it keeps the heat in that metal for a while. Because if you touch it accidentally, you're going fuck. I thought you were cooler than that. But um, <laughs> but no, um, it's it was kind of cool. And i got to come up with a better analogy because the week before I went to the Wandon Blacksmithing Festival, a bit of pre, pre-work, working out what was going on. Now, out in the country. It was nice. It was a really nice setup. It's in Wandon, so it's a long way away, like past Hillsville kind yep. of thing. Lilydale-ish. Not close to where we are. Yeah. And great setup, watching all that. That was all kind of cool. Took my, my wife was working, so I took my kids. We had to do something anyway. It's like, let's go check this out. And I'm telling my son, I was like, see that? See what they're doing? I'm going to be doing that next week. And they go, oh, that's really cool. Then there was wood turning. He was much more impressed with that because the guy made a fucking spinning top and that was so much cooler than blacksmithing. It's like, fuck you. I'm cool on that. But anyway, anyway, 
But there was some, and I was looking at the type of people that were blacksmith. There was a group from Monash Uni. They were obviously very young, very excited, and they were trying to get, you know, people to come and join them. But Monash is still a long way away, not very convenient. But they were nice, young, hip people. It's like, I can deal with that. I think they were like chemical engineering students or something. Then there was the cool Viking looking dude who had the beard with in plaits and things like that and he was making chain link and all this sort of shit and he had axes for sale with runes carved into them. Then there was another dude who had the dreadies and he was like, oh, he's a cool blacksmith, that's cool. Then there was the old Bob Hatfield types in their overalls (laughs) and I need a better analogy than Bob Hatfield because he's a pedophile so we've got to need someone else. And there is probably a large group of our listeners that wouldn't understand who Bob Hatfield was either. Yeah, it's a country practice character. Yes. Um, And I'm thinking, who am I? You know, I can't grow the dreads because I don't have enough hair. I could grow the beard out, but I don't really want to. So I don't want to be the Bob Hatfield type. But I think that's where (laughs) I'm heading as far as what type of blacksmith I am. I mean, there was a couple of young guys there because on the Sunday that we did the course in the barn, we worked in the farrier shed in the barn. There were people working on their own projects and stuff like that. And there were a lot of the old retirees having to doing a bit of work but there were a couple of young people working on it and it's like i like to think myself as young still but i'm not but i want to be that guy i don't want to be the old guy in the overalls and yeah the thing but yeah hmm. but i had fun it was so good awesome hmm. good to know anyway that's probably a nice <laughs> a nice place for us to wrap up this month we probably rambled a little bit because we haven't really done a lot this month no but the plan is we will be back again in a couple of weeks with another mini we may even decide to do another one of those questions from the getting to know you getting list. Getting to know you. We did get a little bit of positive feedback from Bixie and Evan from the Fun Size Happy Hour podcast. Mm-hmm. I bumped into them at a wrestling show recently and they said they quite enjoyed that. So that's at least one feedback that we've received. <laughs> so that's better than normal. Oh, there is another feedback. Oh, is there? The oh, yes. Dudes, they didn't like it. They didn't like it. <laughs> no. All right. So we're... One for one at the moment. <laughs> so if we can get a third person that actually gives us an opinion, that may sway which way we go with the, uh, the personal yes. issue. Cool. Yeah. Well, screw people who don't like it. We're doing what we want to do. Yes. Well, yeah. we'll be back soon. If you do have any feedback for us in the meantime, you can find us on our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com. We are on Facebook as facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast, or we are the MA Podcast on Twitter. Yeah. And until then, thank you very much, Mitch. Not a problem. And we'll see you soon. Bye.